0: Ronananian. Some weeks I think Volkswagen makes it too easy to pick on them. It just gets better and better each and every day. Did you see Volkswagen stock fell 22%? Maybe my acronym VW, maybe Virtually Worthless, is really going to be true to what they become. Smoking
1: in the bowl. car
0: doctor the volkswagen problem is the software is cheating and running the car in a different mode to give it better performance but emitting higher emissions levels and i've read reports where the emissions levels are 30 to 35 percent above federal spec
1: welcome to the radio home of ron and Anian the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls
0: at 855-560-9900.
1: Everybody knows that smoking ain't allowed in school. And now, here's
2: Ronnie.
0: Hey, welcome. Did you ever have to fix something that, well, you couldn't? Find out or figure out if it was really broken? I did. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. The phone number to get into the car doctor, the 24-7 phone number. If this radio show is not live on the air, we are Saturdays. 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can call 855-560-9900 and leave a message fast. Harry will do his best, call you back, get you in queue, and talk to you the following week up here on air. You and I will as uh, we discuss your car and its problem. There is information for you out on the web, CarDoctorShow.com. You can find also information there at CarDoctorShow.com. Over to TuneIn, if you go to TuneIn, you will see the affiliate list and try and find an affiliate in your neighborhood. If not, you can wander over to iHeart or iTunes.com. And uh, subscribe to this radio show, as well as download podcasts of it at the aforementioned cardoctorshow.com. I had a really great car to open my Monday morning with this week at the shop at RE Automotive, a 2003 GMC Yukon, sort of like a Chevy Suburban, that type of thing. And the complaint was when you hit a bump, the vehicle's door locks would cycle. Sometimes the dashboard lights would flicker on and off, various ones. And sometimes in worst-case scenario, the vehicle would shut off but always restart. Welcome to the repair of the week. When the car showed up, naturally the first thing I always do is, you know, a visual once-over, a trip around it, scanned it for codes, multiple codes, different areas, things that made sense but didn't make sense. But some things that really stood out, one of which was a communication fault. It had a U1360, I believe it was, which is a communication fault code somewhere inside the vehicle. Its, its data bus was being interrupted for some reason. But nothing that pointed me towards this or that. It was just I knew it had a communication fault, which I could have told you if it was cycling and shutting things off. It would make sense to me that we had a wire bouncing around or a module bouncing around or something going into failure and shutdown mode. The hard part was I couldn't duplicate the problem, couldn't get the vehicle, and to this day, and naturally, you know, it's fixed because it's the repair of the week, but to this day, I never saw the car do what the vehicle owner said it did. And I, and I believe, Myron, I really do. I'm sure he didn't stop by to have me repair something that wasn't broken, but it was just frustration on a lot of people's parts that I can't duplicate the condition but I have to fix it, because you have to fix the car that's in front of you. That's part of what a mechanic is supposed to do. So you have to think outside the box. One of my daughters tells me all the time, Dad, you're one of the best at thinking outside the box. I'm always amazed, and you inspire me as I go forward in life. I just can't figure out how you do it sometimes. You know what, Rach? Sometimes I can't figure out how I do it either, but do what I try. I sat down and did some research. I said, because I always believe that In a lot of cases, you can't be the first one to be seeing this problem, and somebody else must have run into it somewhere. I knew I was having a communication fault, so I knew the vehicle was shutting down. And after a look around to make sure, because my number one concern when I'm dealing with something like this is, are there any aftermarket components in the vehicle? The non-General Motors radio in the dashboard stuck out in my mind, and I tucked that in the back of my mind's eye for possible future reference, but I knew I was looking at something more than that. A quick scan under the dashboard, a quick look under the dashboard, if you will, showed me nothing. looked like a wiring harness that, as it was installed in 2003, back when this vehicle was young. So I knew I had to look somewhere else. Did some reference database searching through some of the databases we subscribe to at the shop and the ones that we know that we can count on. And That's important to note because you, as an Internet repair person, Maybe you're that Internet repair guy that uses the Internet and believes everything you read and see there. I knew that the Internet isn't always reliable, so way back when we subscribed to some databases that are confirmed. Once that vehicle gets fixed and it's logged into as, hey, this is what fixed it, it's reviewed by a panel board of mechanics to decide, is that really going to do the job? Well, I found more than a few that talked about various ground problems on this particular generation GM vehicle, two of which are at the back of the intake manifold, in exactly the one spot that you can never really see them. Sort of thinking in the back of my mind, if it's hard to get to, and if it's in the worst possible place to be repaired, that's probably what's wrong, because that's how Murphy's Law always works, and someday I'm going to catch up to Murphy. I keep saying that. And I started looking and testing grounds as best I could, even the ones I couldn't see. Ground 103, G103, I shall forever remember that in my mind's eye because I couldn't physically see G103. I could touch it, and touch it I did. I laid across the top of the motor and reached way down in the back of the bell housing area, the top of the intake, and just found the wire that came down from the wiring harness. And when I tell you it was an easy tug, you would have to pull harder to pull hair out of your head which I won't say I was close to doing, but I was considering it because it was getting frustrating. And I just gave a little to the wire, came off in my hand. And I said, wow, look at that. This wire is one strand. And when I looked at it, when I cut it away for a cross section, I counted. There are 10 strands of wire in that wire that make it up. It was down to one, one strand of wire. But did I find a fluke? Did I find something that was, well, a lot of things get frayed wires over time. How important was ground 103? Let me tell you how important ground
1: 103
0: is because the bottom line becomes ground 103 was the fault. G103 on a General Motors truck of that vintage is the main ground for the vehicle computer for the PCM. And every time that PCM would turn on and off because when it lost G103 on a bumpy road and that wire flexed enough that it was working itself back and forth and the electronics couldn't carry the load on one strand of wire, that PCM would shut down, it would cycle the door locks because it thought it was key on, key off, key on, and it would do all sorts of crazy things that you can't predict with the electronics on the dashboard because fixing ground 103 fixed the problem. Which, by the way, I have to point out, um, to the General Motors engineer that wanted to save the two cents on the, I don't know, extra quarter of an inch of wiring loop because they don't think about things moving and sagging and changing as vehicles' ages roll on, I put a loop of wire in it so that as the engine was going you know, down the road with the vehicle and the, the engine would kind of shift and move and twist, it's not pulling on the harness all the time, and it won't break the new wire. And that really is... The Repair of the Week. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie in the car, Doctor. 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. We've got some good stuff coming up in the next hour. We are going to be talking to the folks from PowerFrame, talking about PowerFrame grid technology and batteries. And if you woke up in the northeast this morning, you uh, you understand what cold weather is because, baby, it's cold outside. It is a cold, wet, drizzly Uh, weekend here in the Northeast. And uh, we understand other parts of the country are getting hammered as well. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. I've got a couple of emails I want to talk about. I want to talk about some changes in tire technology a little bit later on down around the bottom of the hour from the folks at General Tire. So we're going to talk about that right now. Let's pull over and take a pause in the car dock We'll be back to open the garage doors right after this. Hey, welcome back. Ron and Andy and the car doctor rolling along this hour and glad to be here to be able to talk to each and every one of you at 855-560-9900. Right now, let's kick open the garage doors and let's go over and talk to Charles on line two in Wyndham, Maine with a question, some questions about his RAV4. Charles, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Uh, Well, I've got a RAV4 V6 2011. Great car.
0: Oh, yeah. Nice car.
1: I do a lot of maintenance on it. I keep it up because I like it. Okay. Uh, what I'm wondering is they got ninety five on it uh use the oil change all the time uh, mobile one all that uh, I'm thinking about changing the the uh coolant on it what do you think and and cleaning the uh the uh injectors and all that I saw you your i uh, online this morning, so that prompted me to
0: oh yeah, gotcha. listen I'll tell you what i think I think you're right at the time frame we're on a two thousand eleven toyota. You should be replacing coolant. That has super long life pink Toyota coolant in it, which is considered five year coolant. So 2011 through 2016 model year, because I always look at model years depending upon when the vehicle was made. You know, you're right on that four five year window of, of uh-huh. replacement interval. So yeah, by all means, it's a um, it would be ideal if you could find a repair shop that has an exchanger. But if you're going to do this yourself, it's going to be drain the radiator, pull hoses off of it, try and get as much coolant out of it as possible. But keep in mind, without a coolant exchanger, you're never going to get everything out of the engine block, so an exchanger is in your best benefit. So that that may cost you a little bit of money to have a shop do it. But the other half of the question, I can save you some money, all right, because if if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you want to do it yourself – I can tell you about MotorMedic, which is a new carbon cleaning product out on the market in the last couple of months. It's available at O'Reilly Auto Parts, and it flat out works. It, it's a professional fuel grade, or it's a professional grade fuel system cleaning kit that you, the do-it-yourselfer, can use. Um, the, the neat thing about it is it cleans both the fuel and the intake side of the system. It'll work its way right through the intake plenum, go down, clean the valves clean the carbon off the top of the pistons and it does an excellent job so you want to look for that motor medic you'll find it at any o'reilly auto parts we've actually started using it in the shop in the last couple of weeks and we're finding very good results with it
1: i'll get some this week all right sir one other question yes, can i get one more yeah sure i go also ahead. have a. I i have a 2009 toyota corolla okay regular motor and it's a little motor right and uh have never changed the tranny fluid in it it's got 120 on it runs great uh bought it new uh on the stick when you check the, the uh fluid it says <laughs> do not change i don't know what that means do not change the um uh viscosity or change the stuff itself
0: well the, the problem is that's probably toyota wws world service fluid and you know they kind of got everybody buying into the fact that you never have to change fluid. Uh, you know, here you are at a buck twenty, and the trans is still working, which is a credit to the technology. But in reality, it's a simple drain and fill. And even on the ones where it's a dipstickless vehicle, yours is not. You said you had a dipstick. It's still easy enough to do. So I would change the fluid and make sure you're using original equipment Toyota or. When you're out at your local O'Reilly, see what they have as the equivalent to the Toyota WS fluid, and um, you know that'll work just fine. But I would change the fluid in that. And by the way, as long as we're talking about it, going back to the RAV4, if you haven't changed the fluid in that, I would consider replacing that as well, simply because all fluids do have a finite life. Nothing lasts forever, much as marketing departments and car manufacturers want you to believe. All right, sir? Great. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Charles. You have a good rest of the weekend. Thank you. Very good. Yep, you too. Take good care. Bye bye. Let's get on over to JR, Westchester, New York, on line one. Some questions about a 2008 Toyota FJ. JR, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
3: Thank you. How are you? All
0: right, sir. Good. What's going on?
3: So I have a 2008 FJ Cruiser with about 112,000 miles on it. Right. Automatic. Right. Um, It's been modified quite a bit um but i noticed i bought it last year and i noticed um between 35 and 45 miles per hour when i'm in drive it starts to shake like the the car starts to shake almost like a stick shift if it doesn't have enough um torque like if you don't give it enough gas right like it's like you're, it's, in like, 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 too you're in too,
0: like you're in too high of a gear going too slow it, it starts to chuggle
3: exactly right exactly so 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 I looked it up online on the forum and a lot of people seem to have this problem, but no one seems to know what causes it. You know, a lot of people bring it to the dealer and the dealers don't seem to really, you know, help them too much. Right. So I'm trying to figure out what, what you know what's causing it There has to be you know the thing is when you when you move it into the fourth gear or any other gear it doesn't do the. it doesn't make the shake the car shake right so it's just a drive i don't think it's a transmission problem
0: no i don't think it's a transmission problem either I, I tell you how i would approach it but my first question has to be you said it's modified it's modified how is it lifted is it bigger tires is 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 anything modified suspension or drivetrain wise or are the ma mo- or are the mods all body
3: uh, it, it has been lifted, and it does have 285s on it, so it's the tires are a little bigger.
0: Okay. Um, the one concern about a lifted vehicle, and it may or may mm-hmm. not be the case with you, but I just want to mention it, is how did they lift it? Did they change pinion angle to the differentials? Is it? And if they did, did they modify it so that it's still a good, clean angle and that it's not excessive to the point that that could be a source of the vibration? Only you can tell by okay. looking at it or having your mechanic look at it. You know, in other words, if if the rear end is um, the pinion of the rear end is is horizontal, and they lifted it, uh-huh. and they actually pushed the differential down or pulled it up too far, and now the drive shaft comes in at an odd angle. Everything, okay. everything I tell you from this point is going to be mute because you're fighting something that's in the design change of the vehicle. If you follow my drift. All right, so right, right. Just just right. keep just keep that in mind. First question I've okay. got is when this does this, let's let's pick a number, 35 miles an hour. When this does mm-hmm. this at 35 miles an hour, is it there only when you're stepping on the gas or will it do it while you're coasting as well?
3: If it, if I'm just kind of prude, like keeping my foot on the gas but not not pressing it harder or not coming off all the way, it'll do it. But if I if I come off or push it harder, it'll go away
0: okay so if you can you can either drive through it or allow it to dissipate by not applying fuel
3: right if I keep my foot stationary it'll it'll continue
0: okay you know i got to tell you it almost sounds like a pinion angle problem it almost it almost sounds no. like you're you're pushing the rear one way or the other in in terms of where it's at position wise um this is a four wheel drive vehicle obviously correct right right um I wonder but
3: would that would that change because in fourth gear it doesn't do it at all
0: well, and maybe in fourth gear it doesn't have the torque to do it at all maybe uh, it doesn't maybe. maybe it doesn't have the power to do it at all so let me let me ask it let me ask you this question is there a flange on the output shaft of the transfer case and what I'm getting to is I wonder if you could drive this vehicle without the rear drive shaft in it Oh, uh, I don't know. In other words, drive it off the front shaft. I wonder if you could, and I would, I would do some research in that direction to see if you can. If you can, if you pulled the drive shaft out, does that make a difference? All right, because okay. you, you know, we we could have the conversation about: are the tires balanced? Is there a bent drive shaft in the truck? Is there a rim bent? But I'm sure, you know what, you're no dummy. I can tell by the conversation. You know, you've already researched all that. You've already gone through all that. You bought a lifted vehicle. You know you're buying something that's a little bit off the beaten path. So I would start to look for the irregular. And my first thought is, "Can can I drive this thing without that drive shaft in it? And if I can... Does the problem go away and change? And if it does, then I start looking at suspension and how that rear pinion is facing. Good luck to you, JR. If you need more help, you can give me a shout. I'm Ron and Andy in the car, doctor. We're back right after this. and the car doctor rolling along this hour at 855-560-9900. Hey, trending right now. I guess on email we got an email here from Francine in Chicago. Hey, Ron, I want to know my late model Cadillac. My mechanic's been working on. He tells me I have a fuel system problem too. I just heard your call regarding the gentleman from Maine with the problem in his Toyota. I want to know if I can clean my fuel injection system with the one kit that you recommended to him, the MotorMedic, uh, Francine, Chicago, Illinois. Francine, I'll tell you what, absolutely. As a matter of fact, your Cadillac, late model that it is, the SRX, that has GDI, that has gasoline direct injection, fuel injection on it. And the MotorMedic kit works very well on that. As a matter of fact, it works better than any other kit on the market right now in the fact that they made this, with GDI systems in mind because it gives it the ability because of the cleaner that it attacks the carbon deposits that are more prone to build up on the intake valve in a higher volume than any other kit on the market today. So, yeah, get yourself over to an O'Reilly Auto Parts store. I know you've got them out there, Chicago way, and uh, ask for the Motor Medic uh, kit, and that will help clean your fuel system. It's a two-part kit, easy to find uh, from the folks at Motor Medic and Gunk. Let's get on over to Maureen, Line 1, Bay Shore, Long Island. Some questions about a Pontiac bumper. Maureen, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help you at 855-560-9900? Yes,
2: thank you, Ron, for taking my call. I did call the show once before, and I was very impressed with it. Thank you. Um you're welcome. I have a 2003 Pontiac. Um it's regarding a uh, paint job for the back bumper. I just wanted to paint it because it had scratches and I thought it would look nice. So right. I went ahead and did it. Um when when I brought it what happened was I think it was 8 months ago uh today 8 months ago not quite a year. When I it start, I noticed that there were like bubbles coming up from underneath the paint um, in sections. And when I brought it back to the auto body mechanic who painted it, he says, "Well, that'll happen if somebody hit it, but there's no evidence of anyone hitting my car." At yeah, all.
0: I disagree. I th- I think he's I think he's trying to duck the bullet, Maureen. From my seat here. And from your description, I think that the surface wasn't prepped properly and the paint is just lifting. You know.
2: Well, is there anything that I could do to um, keep the paint from peeling off, like do it my, anything I could do myself? No, unfortunately,
0: um. no. It's something now, It's and now it's going to get worse in time. I would go back and talk to him and say, listen, uh, you know, it, I, I want to try and understand this, and this is you talking to him. You know, I want to try and understand this, that, you know, you're saying this is an impact, but I don't see a point of impact here.
2: No, there was no point of impact. And
0: and there has to be a mark. You know, this is no different than when somebody has a bad tire, and in my 43 years plus of doing this, you know, somebody will bring me a tire that we sold them a year ago, and they'll say, gee, uh, you know, uh, this tire went bad. I don't understand why the belt shifted and, and so on, and I will always find a point of impact. You will see where the cord was damaged from either a pothole or a curb or something. There's well, always, Ron, a, there's could I always have a mark. It
2: corrected? could I have it corrected? Could I have it repainted? Sure, absolutely. By a different, sure. Uh, the other auto body mechanic that I asked if it could be repainted and scraped and all that, he's going to charge me more money. But as right. long as I know I could have it corrected. Oh,
0: absolutely. And, and for that matter, just for giggles, Ask them, what would you be better off replacing the bumper, if we're going to go through this expense, if you replace the bumper, would that give the body shop a better base to work with? In other words, is the old bumper weathered or damaged somehow that it's preventing or making it difficult for the paint to adhere to, which is something I would think the first body shop should have pointed out if they saw that, and I'm not saying they did or didn't, but it's just don't be afraid to say, hey, can I get a replacement bumper? It may not be all that expensive in comparison to having to do the job twice and possibly a third time if somebody doesn't stop to think about it now. That's my point.
2: Oh, I could get a part. They could get a part for a car this old? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. If they
0: can't, I'll tell you what, I can I can almost guarantee if they can't get a new one out of General Motors, the aftermarket somewhere will have one in terms of uh, one of the off-, off shoot um, body suppliers that are out there to be honest with you and people don't realize this more than a few repairs being done in body shops right now as we speak are using non-original equipment parts because insurance companies like that it saves them money in the long run and helps them uh, put cars back on the road that they're required to repair so don't don't think that you can't find a bumper for a 2003 pontiac it's out there
2: Okay, I do appreciate your helping me out, and I will try the other alternative, which might be an option. Yep.
0: Uh just just asking, just, just buying a him new bumper. About that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Maureen.
2: Oh yeah, thanks very much, Ron. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome, dear. You have a good rest of the day. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, listeners, don't. Um, if we're going to go through the pain, and you know, auto repair is all about pain sometimes. And it's, it's degrees of pain. Sometimes it's degrees of pain that really aren't painful. They kind of make you laugh and giggle and say, gee, thank gosh it turned out that way. And then again, sometimes it's pain that just brings you to the boiling point, and you say, you know. So it's feeling the pain. Don't be afraid to think that you can't get a bumper for an older car. That car is 12 going on 13 years old. But by the same token, if there's enough of them out there, I'll tell you a quick story. I have a 2005 Dodge Durango. In the shop right now. Sad story in a way. The engine failed on it back in May. And there was a warranty on it. Because the person that owns it purchased it from a used car lot. And he had purchased an extended warranty. But it had to go to the used car lot's mechanic. And well I won't I won't say exactly where. Let's just say it was close to New Jersey. And Palisades Park. So it ended up they had to have an engine put in it. And it took them, one, two, three, four, five. They finally got the engine, the car back in the middle of September, two weeks ago. So what was that? It was like four and a half, five months. So now that they've got the engine repaired, and I'm looking it over to make sure that all the parts are there, and most of the parts are there, except for the way they pinched the ground wire between the engine and the transmission and the ground wire at the back of the firewall sticking out through the hole in the bell housing, and I'm going to fix that because we're afraid to send it back to the engine shop because they'll never see the car again. The car needs... Two major parts in order to make it drivable again. And neither one is related to the workmanship or the lack of workmanship on the engine repair. One, it needs a shift cable. The column shifter, the shift cable itself is broken and the owner has been shifting it with a pair of vice grips, which is kinda neat when you you get in the car, you got this pair of ice grips you gotta grab and pull and hold and anyway. The shift cable is on national back order from Chrysler. There is demand for 83. I made it 84 because I ordered one. And we think somewhere along the way when they get to 100, Chrysler will start to manufacture them again. But my guys at Chrysler tell me that there isn't a shift cable in the country, in the pipeline, anywhere, for an 05 Dodge Durango. I just received word at the end of this past week at the shop that the shift cable is due to be released November 4th. And as much as we don't like to talk about dates on a radio show when you're trying to make generic bread... Uh, Let's just date ourselves here for a minute. That's over a month away. Can you imagine your vehicle's down because you can't get the $100 shift cable? Now, on the other side of it, trying to make the point that you can get parts for anything within reason, the gas tank has a leak in it. It has an EVAP fault code. Diagnose that. And when I looked at it, after finding it, which took a little bit, you can see that the metal ring cast into the plastic gas tank has rusted so badly it's pushing smoke out. Meaning that it's leaking because we're using a smoke machine. The gas tank, which is nine hundred dollars, is available Tuesday. So you know, and, and it only fits two model years of vehicles. So auto parts is a funny thing. Sometimes you can get what you think you you you, can, you can't, and sometimes you can't get what you think you should. You would think the gas tank would be harder to get, and the shift cable would be easier but instead it's vice versa so never be afraid to ask hey can i get one of those because either from the manufacturer or an aftermarket source it's got to be out there except in the case of a shift cable because i tried finding that haven't found one yet from anybody other than chrysler so that's uh that's going to be vice grip city for the next four weeks after i fix the gas tank on tuesday 855-560-9900 i'm ron ananey the car doctor and i'm back right after this You're at your service at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. By the way, if you need the car doctor during the week, Ron at com, And I'll do my best to answer each and every one of you. I uh, do sit down at my desk at lunchtime. And uh, like the sign says on the fence, we closed at lunch um, at 12 to 1. So uh, I do sit there and answer emails and uh, kind of chill out and just take my time. So always glad to hear from a listener and a fan. Always glad to help where I can. Let's get over and help where we can with Rob in Seattle, Washington, two thousand three Honda Pilot and some questions about oil and uh, two hundred and fifty thousand miles. Great, this car's just broken in. Rob, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? That's
4: exactly right, Ron. That's right. Thanks so yep. much. You're very welcome. Let me explain my let me explain my situation. Go ahead. I uh, I'm a uh, a baby boomer nomad. Okay. And I've got three I've got three vehicles. Uh Dodge twenty five
3: hundred ram
4: pickup and a uh, a motorcycle a gs 1200 but then i've got my good old honda uh, which is actually in storage in atlanta okay and so what i've been doing is taking my motorcycle for the last almost two years now and my t- pickup truck and just traveling around north america and occasionally we'll go back to atlanta uh, for business or whatever and um, drive my drive my pilot but i'm concerned about how frequently I should be changing the oil in the pilot. I've had uh, synthetic in it ever since it was new, And it's just sitting. It's just, it's, I've driven it probably 500 miles in the last 18 months.
0: What what kind so of I'm facility? To know, with yeah,
4: synthetic oil, how often do you change it?
0: Well, what kind of facility is it stored in, Rob? What kind of environment?
4: It's a, it's a covered outdoor facility.
0: So, so it's, it's, uh, it's
4: accustomed it's, to uh, it, changes in temperature.
0: Right. Um, but Atlanta doesn't get snow. It doesn't get real cold there. Not, not too bad. Um, you know, so, and you know, is there, there's probably some room for condensation to form, and that's probably your biggest downside here in that an engine sitting will still have accumulation in it and, you know, globs of water, and that's a concern. You know, I, I think using synthetic is absolutely positively the way to go. You know, if if you're going to go back now, it's been sitting for 18 months. How often have you driven it in the past 18 months? Is it every three months, every four months?
4: Yeah, it's about about every – well, it changes. It just kind of depends. Sometimes it's – I'll be gone for a month, and sometimes I'm gone for four months.
0: Right. Just out of curiosity, what are you doing with the fuel system? Are you leaving it full? Or are you leaving it empty?
4: Uh, good question. I, I leave it half full, and I put uh, fuel treatment in it. Okay. And then uh, when I get back into town – i uh, I fill it up with premium right uh, and then usually drive a, about half a tank
0: right uh, you know keep in mind that gasoline loses its pop and starts to um i don't the word's not distillate it 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 starts to break down and separate. Into individual components where I'm I'm told after 30 to 45 days now they say gasoline is just really horrible compared to what it used to be so you know that that may become an issue at some point over time as well but going back to the oil question moisture is going to be your culprit here it's it's that's going to be your big enemy Uh, you know if you're back there every three months and you're driving it I'm sort of a fanatic, as if you guys can't tell that by now. I would um, I would lean towards changing it every at least every six months, eight at the outside, just because of the mileage. And I would just disregard the cleanliness of it. You know, if, if we're wasting one extra or two extra oil changes over the next two years, so be it. It's the price for being a nomad and able to cruise the country, and at least you know that your car is in as good a condition as you can possibly make it. But, you know, I wouldn't leave it in there longer than that simply because I have seen moisture build up in engines. Heck, the hot rod goes through it. The hot rod sat at the shop last winter because we were doing some things in the facility where it's being kept on a normal basis. And it was kind of neat. I got to watch the hot rod every day. But I pulled the valve covers off to do something this spring, and there was water laying up there that had just condensed inside the covers. And that's a fairly heated, fairly constant environment, and I was I was really I was impressed and depressed at the same time. So uh, by all means, I would consider changing it every six to eight months. Good quality oil. And um, think about uh, that fuel system. Think about uh, adding some good fuel system cleaner to that while you drive it with the premium fuel in there. And I think you'll be all right, Rob. I hope I helped you. I'm, I appreciate your call and uh, good luck in your travels. If you ever get up to New Jersey, stop in. We'll have lunch. I'm Ron Any in the car, Doctor Eight Five 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 Six Zero Nine Nine Zero Zero. We're back right after this. <laughs> Hey, welcome back. We can thank Chris from Staten Island for this email. Chris wrote me, and he said, hey, Ron, I'm starting out as a young family. We just had a baby girl. Well, actually, not just. She's eight months old. Congratulations, Chris and Mrs. Chris, um, out there on Staten Island. And he says, I'm getting ready to put our family car, our four-year-old Honda, into condition for the winter, and I want to know what your thoughts are on tires. I read a lot about different models and makes, and I want to know what some of the better technologies out there. Chris, Staten Island, New York. Chris, I'll tell you what. Um, Not because they sponsor or one of the sponsors of this radio show, but the stuff from General Tire is getting flat out scary. It's so neat, if you know what I'm saying. Um, Their technology is second to none. They just came out with an HTS 60, which is an improvement. And this just goes to show you the mindset of the folks at General Tire. They had the Grabber HTS, and now they've created the HTS 60, which is an improvement on that tire. All right. it's got 25% better tread life It's got a tread cushioning system Which provides a quieter ride And it's just, it's made better The construction of it is different It was geared towards Light truck, SUVs, crossovers And it'll fit that Honda of yours You said Honda Pilot, it'll fit that Honda of yours Just flat out perfect So, uh, you know, that's part of the conversation today that when you're buying a tire, you're buying the technology, you're buying the company that goes with it. So, you know, you've got to do some research. And most important, where you buy that tire, ask them, hey, um, you know, if I buy four and I get a flat in six months, am I going to be able to get another one? And, and, And that's part of my argument for you never want to buy old tire technology. You always want to buy the newest tire technology because studies show that... Uh, you know, it seems to be the odds that you can get that flat tire a year and a half from purchase, and chances are that newer tire technology is going to be more readily available than the one that's four years old coming to the end of its cycle. Something to think about. Till the next time, I'm Robin in and the Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive; they're priceless. See ya.